0: Good morning once again. It is quite a statement to say what we just sung. Where you go, I will go. I will follow you. It is an unnatural thing. It is something that happens uh, to us. In the power of the Holy Spirit, which we have been studying. So, this morning, if you would turn to your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. This morning, uh, we're going to consider verses 42 through 47. We'll pray, then we'll read the passage, then we'll divide the passage and make some uh, applications. First, uh, let us pray together. Father in heaven, We ask, Lord, that you be exalted in our hearts and our minds as we study your word this morning. We ask for grace to illuminate the passage for understanding, to inflame our hearts to a reordered affection, Lord. Engage our will in obedience. We pray for all the churches that gather on the Lord's Day, and specifically this morning we pray for those folks who gather at Baker Creek and my friend, Pastor Dax. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the church Uh, that they would understand the depth of the grace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship. praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Y'all may be seated. So as we continue our study, we, we are here where the day of Pentecost has arrived. And every Uh, type of sinner from every corner of the known world heard in their own language the mighty work of God in Christ Jesus. And Peter, having given a sermon, testifies from the prophets and from the Psalms uh, that what the crowd had just witnessed, that is the mighty rushing wind, the divided tongues of fire, was the gift of Jesus Christ given to men, the Holy Spirit. This Jesus that God had raised from the dead. This Jesus, who was executed at the hands of sinful men, this Jesus was the definite plan according to the foreknowledge of God. This Jesus is both Christ and Lord. And the pouring out of the Spirit and the preaching of the Word of God convicted the hearers of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And last week we saw the immediate response to the pouring out of the Spirit is the grace of God given to them to repent and believe. This is the immediate sign of conversion. To be converted is to be changed. They were changed, so they repented and believed because God had given them This gift. This is the immediate sign of what it means to be a converted believer in Jesus Christ, to actually follow Him, to go where He goes. We must be changed. The life-giving Holy Spirit of God was sent by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and it caused these persons to be born again to a new and ongoing allegiance to Christ. A new and ongoing desire to be instructed from the Word of God. A new and ongoing connection to a community. A new and ongoing dependence upon God in prayer. If your day of Pentecost has arrived, the day when the presence of God was felt and known in a new and saving way. There was a day when the Holy Spirit of God convicted you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The day when grace was given to you and, and enabling you to repent and believe. The day when the Holy Spirit made you new from the inside out. If this day has come, it is proved by a continued pattern of, of Christian living. So this morning's message, I have titled The New Pattern. And you will see from our study this morning that there's a pattern of life. If you are filled with the spirit, there's a pattern of life. There was was this initial response, right? Of being converted, changed. That is repentance and faith, belief. And then this powerful Holy Spirit that filled them, that was part of their lives, caused them to live according to a new pattern, according to a pattern that was different than what they lived. So let us look at verse 42, the first part of it, uh, very uh, more succinctly and more in depth here. And they devoted themselves. I want to pause it, they devoted themselves. In in the king, in the King James, it says something to this effect. They continued steadfastly. Devoted. Continued steadfastly. Is in the Greek here, the Greek word is proskytario. And it defines it as this to attend all the exercises, faculties, and human energy. Constantly, diligently, instantly, and assiduously toward one thing. Sometimes when you think of the word devoted, you can like think about devotions, right? I set aside time to devote myself to the word of God in the morning. I set aside a little corner of my life to devote myself to the reading of God's word and prayer in the evening. Devoted is much more than what uh, we get out of this text. It means much more. It means to attend all the exercises, all the faculties, all of your human energy constantly, diligently, diligently, Instantly and assiduously toward following after Christ, of being in fellowship with Him. The first point of constant, diligent, instantaneous attendance in the life of the Christian and in the life of the community of believers in the church that is this: it is a devotion to to the truth about Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, the first point of this constant diligent effort, this, all the human energies that God supplies to the power of the Spirit is a devotion to the truth about Jesus Christ, the truth concerning the gospel of God as revealed to us in the scriptures. This is the constant devotion of the Christian in the church. This is the church's commitment to understanding the truth and a devotion to steadfastly use its energy to communicate that truth. And that doesn't mean to communicate that truth just outside the church, but it's to communicate the truth of the gospel to each other, to one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, who are they? They are those who have been converted, those who were transformed by the Holy Spirit and they they were granted the gift from God of repentance and faith. And this, their ongoing, their new pattern of life was this, that they used all of their energy, all of their strength to uh, devote themselves to the truth of Jesus Christ. So some questions that will help us this morning, I hope, Um, I was telling some guys this morning as we were praying that, you know, every week I kind of think about the message and what it is that I'm going to deliver. And I think I think that's almost every week is, man, what would happen if the church really heard this from the word of God and they really obeyed it? What would happen if everybody in the room obeyed the truth that we're going to hear today? What would the church look like? How would it be transformed? And this morning, more than ever, I think, uh, I was convinced of this thing. What if the church really heard that there is a new pattern of life? That God has an ongoing pattern for us to live according to. And that when we are born of the spirit, we are enabled to live according to that pattern. It is nothing that we can just conjure up ourselves, but because the energy that God supplies in us, the spirit that God has given us, that he has transformed us to live in a new way, in a new pattern, according to his pattern. So with that, I hope that this morning we will all be able to, to hear this passage and to really obey it. A couple of questions for us to ponder this morning is have you repented from your sin and from worldliness? Really? have you Have you turned to Christ with all the exercises, with all the faculties, with all the human energy that you have constantly, diligently, instantly, and assiduously? Have you turned yourself toward Him? Have you left behind secular wisdom that is propagated by CNN, by Fox News, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever kind of thing you are getting information from? Have we left behind that popular wisdom and, and been moved with all of our energy to diligently and instantly pursue the truth of the gospel in the word of God according to what God says about the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Have we done that? Have we said, you know what, with all of my energy, with all the exercises, faculties that I have, the human energy, will I constantly, diligently, instantly, and assiduously turn myself with great care? That's what assiduously is, is to put yourself with great care, with great care toward one truth, one source of truth, and that is the Holy Scriptures. And will that be the measurement by which we understand how we are to live in the world? Have we truly turned from secular wisdom and turned to that as our wisdom? With, with with all that we have, with great care, with great diligence. See, this is the sign of true repentance toward God. This is evidence that the Spirit has been poured out and that it is continuing to form you into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the life of a person who's been transformed from the kingdom of darkness and has been incorporated into the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ. These who witnessed the pouring out of the Spirit, were they in themselves were convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And by God's good grace, they were granted repentance. Remember last week, we defined repentance as a change of heart that led to a change of direction. They were given a new faith in Jesus Christ, and that according to the gospel concerning Him, by the virtue of Jesus' death and resurrection for them, everything had changed. Everything changed. Had changed Sometimes do we think about our Christian life and think everything has changed. There is a new pattern in my life that I live by now because I have been changed, and my pattern has changed. My pattern of my thinking, my pattern of my affections, See, these who were born again had a reordered affection, a reorientated view of themselves, and a reordered view of Jesus Christ as both Lord and Master. The first point of the changed life, the new life, was evidenced in constant, diligent, instantaneous attendance in the life of the community of believers, the church. It was a devotion to the truth about Jesus Christ, As we see in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. They had devoted themselves to the truth concerning the gospel as revealed in the scriptures. This was their constant devotion of the convert convert to Jesus Christ as Lord, and they did so in community. This is a born-again commitment to understanding the truth and a devotion to steadfastly use their energy to grow in that truth. Secondly, this new life transformed them into a new community. They had become a people born again to a new life in a new kingdom. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to understanding the truth of the gospel according to the scriptures, to that teaching, to doctrine, and to the fellowship that is They were born into a new community. They didn't see themselves as individuals. You know, we do that a lot, don't we? We think, uh, my faith, my Christian life is all about me. It's all about my life and my devotion and how I'm living according to him. Yeah, there is that. You have to be changed. But when you're changed, you're changed to a new community, to a new people. It is meant to be done in community together to attend with all of our energy to a new community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. You see, the pattern of the spirit-born believer in Jesus Christ was not only to attend to all the exercises, the faculties, all the human energy constantly, uh, diligently, instantly, assiduously toward one truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but a new pattern of life. A new pattern of life was marked by attending all those exercises, all the faculties, all the human energy, constantly, diligently, instantly, and assiduously toward the community of believers. This in the Greek is called koinonia, which is translated fellowship. Sometimes we think of fellowship, we often uh, think of fellowship this way, and I've heard it said this way. and We kind of think of it this way often. We equate it with merely being in the same place at the same time. We think sometimes that if we're in the same place at the same time, we have actually had fellowship. Sometimes we think that fellowship can just happen. It doesn't really happen on a Sunday morning, per se. I mean, it happens in in one sense, but it's not deep fellowship, right? We can come and be gathered together in one place at the same time, doing the same things and thinking that we are like-minded and think we had fellowship. But koinonia means much more than that because it's deeper here as we see in this passage. It is a sharing in the pattern of new life together. It's sharing in one another's pattern of living. It is sharing in this pattern of new life, attending with all our exercises, all our faculties, all our human energy, constantly, diligently, instantly, with great care and with great determination. We are constantly attending to an open invitation to share in the pattern of another Christian's life. You see here, it is a shared meal and a shared life, a constant sharing of interdependence, interdependence. See, as we are interdependent upon each other, independence upon God. You see, as they say, and they were devoted to the prayers. It's an interdependence on each other, independence upon God. It is a constant sharing in a new pattern of worship. Prayer here in, in the Greek word means much more than just prayer. I mean, it means prayer as, as we think of prayer, but it also, it also has with it worship, praise. It is a shared life of worship and praise together. It is a pattern that these Folks, as they were born again, filled with the Spirit, lived in this new pattern together. It's a sharing of this individual pattern of spiritual life for the well-being of fellow born-again believers in Christ in a new community. This is a shared community with a shared devotion to Jesus Christ and to understanding those truths, to share in the spiritual life together for the well-being of your brother or sister when you're in real fellowship, your concern is that your brother or sister that is with you is not just in one place at one time, but that they understand the truth of the gospel as revealed according to the doctrine of scripture that who Jesus is for them and who they are in him, who God has really made them to be. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. Because we might have to say to a brother or sister as we gather with them, is that how you learned Christ? Your behavior says this, but that's not how you learned him. If indeed you did learn him, as Paul says. If indeed you did learn him, that's not how you learned him. It can be uncomfortable. But in a spirit of love toward one another, that is what we do. Is we long to see the other person do well in Christ to see each other do well in Jesus it is sharing in an individual pattern so we each have an individual pattern of spiritual life that is to be steadfast in the apostles doctrine to be steadfast in prayer to be steadfast in fellowship and we do that again with others in community that we might impart to them something good for their spiritual well-being the new life in the spirit you see is a life that is, has given up individual, individualism and has embraced a pattern of life that shares in the spiritual life of the community to which God has transferred to them to. See, with great care and with great determination, using all of our human energy, these who were born again, they used all their human energy. They constantly, diligently, and instantly patterned their lives in community with one another. So I want us to get this, if we get nothing this morning, this is really but the pattern of disciple-making. This is the pattern of what it means to be a disciple-maker. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. This is nothing more than disciple-making within the church. In Matthew 28, 18 through 19, it says, Go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The idea here is as you go, as you are going. When it says go therefore, make disciples, it means as you go. As you are going, as you are going about living, as you go about in the pattern of your life. For those of you who have been transformed to the kingdom of Christ, it is to remain steadfast in the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the apostles teaching and all that concerns him. And to share that pattern, teaching others to observe all that Jesus has commanded you. To intentionally, constantly, diligently, instantly do spiritual good in one another's life. That is the definition, really, of what a disciple making life is about. It is sharing in life's pattern, in the spirit-born pattern of life that God has got us to. It is to intentionally attend to a shared life a shared affection for one another, a shared dependence upon God, shared worship. This is the pattern of a disciple-making community. And as I said this morning, that if we get this and obey it, and hopefully it's clear enough that if we get this and we did this, this would transform life in Spring Hill Church. If we actually did this, if we actually obeyed, I don't know how many pastors have told me and how many other church members I have talked to about this. Oh, we need to be an Acts 2.42 church. Yes, I would agree. But I find very few who are willing to do that work. Because it seems so simple. It seems so simple. But very few of us are willing to share in the pattern of our lives. Maybe some of us don't have the discipline in ourselves. We haven't disciplined ourselves enough to live according to this pattern. And so we would dare not invite somebody into the pattern of our lives because the pattern of our lives is not reflected by this. The pattern of our lives is something else. Each individual has to have this as a pattern, a discipline in themselves. A disciple of Jesus Christ, as a disciple, is this the pattern of your life? Is it one that you freely share with the members of your church? Or do you merely carve out space for an hour and a half every third Lord's Day when the fishing is no good or there's no soccer game to go to? Would you And also, would you be embarrassed to invite brothers and sisters into the pattern of your life? Would you be embarrassed to invite them into your pattern? See, the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ has a pattern, isn't it? And I believe this, that, that the pattern, it, it comes from the word disciple, means disciplined. It is a disciplined life. We are called to live a disciplined life. Disciplined in Christ. Disciplined to the apostles' doctrine. Disciplined to be in fellowship. Disciplined to be in prayer and worship. Disciplined to live a shared life. If you haven't developed the disciplines of a life that exercises itself to attend all of your faculties, all of your energies, all of your constant, diligent, instant, unwavering determination and devotion to understanding and growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ yourself... If that is not the pattern that you have developed yourself, here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't kick yourself right now, but if that has not been your pattern, I would, I would advise you to do this. Invite yourself into the pattern of another person's life. Invite yourself to witness their pattern. Invite yourself into the pattern of another's life that you may learn this, to imitate them. Just as Paul's admonition to to Timothy. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. If the discipline is not in you, find somebody whom it is in and you know, and they're marked by this. And invite yourself into their lives. And I'm sure that if that is the pattern of their life, they'll welcome you with open arms. They will welcome you into that pattern. So don't kick yourself if you don't have that pattern yet. But invite yourself into the pattern of somebody else's life that they might, uh, you might learn from them, that you might imitate from them, that you might see and learn from their pattern, that you might share in their devotion, share in their pattern, that they might encourage you then to observe all that Jesus has commanded them. That's disciple making, isn't it? And if you're one who's already living according to the pattern of a new life given to you, I would ask you this: are you inviting members of your church into that pattern of your own personal discipline? Also, do you invite your unbelieving neighbors to witness the pattern of life given to you by the grace of God? That they, seeing your good works, might you might win some of them to the Lord Jesus Christ. The simplest way to be a great commissioned saint. Guys, this is the simple way. I didn't say easy. I said simple. The simplest way to be a great commission saint is to live the pattern of new life. It's to live a pattern of steadfastness using all of your energy to understand the gospel and to grow in its truth. To share that in community to pattern your life and then invite the church of Jesus Christ and invite the lost in the world to share in your pattern. God has always desired that His people would live in a pattern of praise toward Him, hasn't He? And share in that pattern with others. Even in the Old Testament, the Shema was the pattern of life for Israel in the morning and in the evening. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one doctrine, right? Right doctrine concerning God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your might, devotion, energy, applying everything you have toward this one end. And these words I command you today will be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That is, you will have this pattern in your life and model it before your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, God's people were to live according to a pattern in their lives. And this pattern in their lives was to be ever before them. Even in the Old Testament, diligently in their homes as you went by the way, as you go in the world, as you are going, live according to this pattern. So that visitors might know as they come by and they see you live in this pattern in your life, as visitors come by uh, even to Israel and as, as visitors come by to our house now, that they might know that these who live here are set apart to God. These people are set apart from the world. They're set apart to God. See, the Holy Spirit-born, blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, these folks were changed. And the pattern of their lives reflected that change. And all who were changed shared in that pattern. And awe came upon every soul, verse 43, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to proceeds all as any had need. They held all things in common. Material possessions became a means to bless others with. Material became a means by which I can bless others. Doesn't mean to be Uh, down on yourself because the Lord has happened to bless you with many, many possessions. I'm not saying that. But the Lord has given you those possessions as a blessing to be a blessing to others. It has been said that the born-again follower of Christ doesn't think uh, less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. That's really what's going on here. They don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. They are oriented... They are centered on the person of Jesus Christ, but oriented toward others. And this becomes their pattern of life. For the sake of the community of faith, see, the people had a pattern of giving, didn't they? Their pattern became giving. As they lived in community, it was less about self and more about community. We're not taught that in society today. We are not taught that at all. Anywhere you look, you are not taught that. You are inundated with information that you need to get what you need to get while the getting is good, and you need to hang on to that getting because someone's going to take it from you. So you need to hang on to it, and if if that's not enough, go get some more, and the, and never satisfied. Right? You. We are told when we watch uh, TV commercials, don't be satisfied with that. That's not enough. That's not enough. You need more. You need more. But you don't need more to be a blessing to others. You need more to to hold it on to yourself because you just need to gather, right? But the born-again, spirit-filled believer is changed, and they, they live a pattern of giving. And the understanding here is that those who belonged are people to be cared for. Those who belong to Christ are people to be cared for. To be cared for. God ensures that. Isn't that great grace of God that says, when you are born again to a new family, to a new community, this community will care for you. This community will take care of you. This community will love you. The ongoing love of God is manifested when we do that with one another and to one another. Those who belong were to be cared for. And is that not a compelling witness? What a compelling witness it would be if the church of Jesus Christ, if this church was known by our love for one another. Isn't that not what Jesus taught in John 13? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. As I look out on the congregation this morning, and I have no doubt about your love for one another. You have uh, constantly shown mercy and kindness to one another. But sometimes we have just a semblance of love. We have just something that resembles love without a pattern of quinonia fellowship. The words that I hear often uh, one another say to each other most often at the end of a Sunday service is this. Have a great week. There's an implication there that if we say have a good week, we're done with you. Till the next time we happen to be in the same space at the same time. And we think somehow that we have fellowship. It's not a pattern of fellowship that is is described here, that these these new born-again believers had a pattern of fellowship. Have a great week. I will have no further connection to the believers until the next time that we happen to be here and we happen to be in the same place at the same time. And so as I think about the admonition in Hebrews 10 to not neglect to gather as is the habit of some, I even myself have narrowly really taught it from the perspective of the corporate gathering on Sunday morning. Because see, many people, they gather on Sunday morning because they have nothing else to do. But even if, if we are faithful, even if this church was faithful to gather 52 Lord's Days a year, we've been in the same place at the same time every Sunday for 52 weeks. And that's it. See you next week. We still have not developed Koinonia fellowship. The pattern of our lives is not shared. See, we need to attend all the exercise faculties and human energy constantly, diligently, instantly, assiduously toward one thing, and that is a shared life with fellow believers. This is the love for one another that Jesus had in mind in John 13. This is the compelling witness to Jesus Christ so that the watching world will know that we are his disciples. Although we may neglect to gather on Sundays as a pattern of life, it's much worse. It's much worse than not even sharing in that. That's the simple pattern, isn't it? That's the most simple pattern of life. On the Lord's day, I come and worship him. That's a simple pattern of the born-again believer. But it's much, much more than that. The daily pattern is to be shared, a shared life, Sunday through Saturday. It is to be a Bible-open bible open prayerful communion with Christ and with one another. See how these first saints did. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being Saved. The scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and I are today calling Spring Hill Church to a radical life. I'm calling to live radically. It is radical. That is a radical life. A radical life that lets go of yourself and says the community is more important than me. A radical life that says, I'm going to apply all of my energies to sharing my life with others. To sharing my devotion to Jesus Christ with others. To sharing the disciplines of my life that I might be of benefit to another. That they might see my pattern. That they might imitate that pattern. Man, I so, I'm convicted by this, by the way, guys. I, I, I have not achieved this uh, completely at all. But as I prayed this week and as I, 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 I walked this passage out, it was like more and more I was convinced by the Spirit of God that my goal is to develop a disciplined pattern of life that I would be open to embracing others to partake in with me. The Scriptures, the Spirit, and I am calling the church to a radical way to live The call is to apply all of our energy, all of our life to be lived together for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. The pattern of the Christian life for the born again is to gather on the Lord's Day for corporate worship. The pattern for the Christian life on Monday is to invite the church members into your personal pattern of devotion to the truth of the gospel, to join in with others in their pattern of of devotion, to join one another daily in dependent prayer and in praise to God for your great salvation, to share in the resources for sustenance in this life that God has so graciously given to us, to share that with one another. You see, this is disciple making. This is the new life that the early church was born again to. This is the pattern of life that you and I are called to. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day, those who were being saved. Mark Dever writes in his book, The Church, the gospel made visible. He says this quote, the church itself is a means of grace, not that it grants salvation apart from faith, but because it is the God ordained means that his spirit uses to proclaim the saving gospel, to illustrate the gospel and to conform to the gospel. The church, I love this, this sentence. The church is the conduit through which the benefit of Christ's death and resurrection normally come? Are you a conduit through which the benefit of Christ's death and resurrection come? To be the church born of the Spirit, to live according to a new pattern, to attend all the exercises, faculties, and human energy constantly, diligently, instantly, and assiduously toward one thing, The gospel of Jesus Christ according to holy scriptures in daily koinonia fellowship with one another. This shared life demonstrates love for one another in such a way as people will come to know that you are indeed followers of Jesus Christ, that you have been changed. It is a changed life. I cannot emphasize this enough. A changed life. We can say for sure, right? We know the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. We know this. We can know this. Is, has that changed the pattern of your life? Is your life patterned because you have been changed? It's a changed pattern. In daily fellowship, just hanging out together in daily fellowship with the word of God, praying. We declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in sharing our lives together, we illustrate the gospel. And we confirm this, that the gospel actually changes people. It actually changes people. The gospel actually accomplishes what God sent it out to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we don't live according to a changed pattern, what do we communicate? Communicate that it doesn't really have much effect. Our lives have not been changed. The pattern of our life is not new. Our daily fellowship proclaims the gospel. The sharing of our lives illustrates the gospel. And we confirm this, that the gospel changes people. We confirm that it indeed transfers people from from the the, uh, kingdom of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. He who is both Christ and Lord. We confirm this in living according to the pattern that the spirit has given us. This is the spirit-empowered, compelling witness that the Holy Spirit uses. As we see in in verse uh, 47, day by day, those who were being saved were added to the kingdom. As they lived together in community, showing the pattern of new life. This pattern of new life together was the compelling witness that the Holy Spirit used to reach the lost and dying souls that were to be added to the kingdom you see my prayer this morning for Spring Hill Church is this to our great father in heaven I pray by your great grace that you have granted us repentance you have granted us saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by virtue of your atoning death for us We know, Lord, that you have raised us to new life just as you raised your Lord, our Lord, and our Master, Jesus Christ. You raised him from the dead. I pray this morning that you would grant us repentance for our failure to live according to the pattern of life that we see in this passage. I pray, Lord, that you would move us to invite our brothers and sisters into our pattern of devotion and praise to you that we would be a compelling witness to Jesus Christ, such that day by day as we gather together, we pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would add to the church those who are being saved. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.